At the beginning of his ministry, there was John the Baptist who proclaimed to the world, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus called disciples to follow him, but not just to follow, but to proclaim the gospel message that Christ was and is the Messiah. And God had given them many testimonies that Jesus was exactly who he said he was, exactly who he said he is. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're going to look at a message that I entitled, From Verse 24, Passing from Death to Life. And we're going to see, Whosoever hears will live, verses 24 through 30. One who bears witness, verses 31 through 40, and receiving the honor of God, closing out the chapter, verses 41 through 47. And Father, I pray a blessing upon the teaching of your word today. We ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts to receive that which you would have for us and give us encouragement and give us courage as we learn from your word this morning. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Here in verses 33 through 35, that'll be three witnesses. You have sent to John, and he has bore witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive the testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. After 400 years of silence, there hadn't been a lot of Uh, prophecy going on from what we know, none whatsoever, until the birth announcements coming to Zacharias and coming to Mary and uh, Elizabeth hearing the voice of Mary and her baby leaping in her womb, that there were some testimonies going forth. But when John the Baptist came on the scene, he caused quite a stir. And that stir reached all the way into Jerusalem. The priest of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to go and to question John. Who are you? And John would respond back to them. I'm not the Christ. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. But he went on to say in John 1, 23, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. And although John spoke the truth concerning Jesus, Jesus was not dependent upon John's testimony. John was this burning and shining lamp 
and spoke the truth of the gospel. And the people came into repentance. They came into his light. They rejoiced in it, but it was only for a while. Matthew 5, 14, and also verse 16, it tells us that you are the light of the world. And then in verse 16, it goes on to say, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. We are the light of the world. And, and John came on the scene and he was this bright and shining light. And people rejoiced in that light for a season. The Lord does that for us every once in a while. But we are the light of the world. We're to let our light shine before this world. And sadly, in this place, the religious rulers had rejected John's testimony. They rejected John's testimony of Jesus and they would soon have John imprisoned. And ultimately, we know that Herod would have him put to death. So Jesus gives another witness. And here's the fourth one he gives, the very works that he was performing in their sight. Verse 36, but I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Jesus had a greater witness than John's. The works that the Lord had given him to do, the very works he said that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. So we could ask the question, what works? And I believe the teaching of the word of God qualified in these works, the healing of the sick, the raising of the dead. In John 10, 25, Jesus would somewhat repeat this. He said, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. The very works he did, they bore witness of Jesus Christ. But there is one work that's greater than all the others, and it's the work of the cross. In his priestly prayer in John 17, 4, Jesus praying to his Father said, I have glorified you on the earth, and I have finished the work which you have given me to do. The cross is the greatest work that the Lord has done that teaches us that he is exactly who he said he was. It's not just his death on the cross, for there are many who had died upon a cross during that time. There's only one who had resurrected from the grave, something which we'll celebrate in just a couple of weeks. So he says in verses 37 and 38, and the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent, him you do not believe. There have been many testimonies. We can think about the number of testimonies that came from the Old Testament scriptures, the prophecies that were given concerning the coming Messiah. And then you had the angelic birth announcements that happened many years earlier and prior to Jesus's birth. You had the testimony of Zacharias and Elizabeth, of Joseph and Mary, shepherds and wise men. You had a devout man named Simeon in the temple and a prophetess named Anna. And then at the beginning of his ministry, there was John the Baptist who proclaimed to the world, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus called disciples to follow him, but not just to follow, but to proclaim the gospel message that Christ 
was and is the Messiah. And God had given them many testimonies that Jesus was exactly who he said he was, exactly who he said he is. And the religious rulers, they could not hear. And Jesus gives the condemnation here. You do not have his word abiding in you. They knew the Bible, the Old Testament. They knew the scriptures. They could quote them, but they didn't have God's word in their heart. They had no relationship with God the Father. Therefore, they could not believe on the one whom God had sent. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We need God in us to bring about faith. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. They knew the word of God, but they did not have God's word in their hearts. It goes on to say in verses 39 and 40, You search the scriptures, for in them you think that they have eternal life. And these are they that testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. These are they that testify of me. The very word of God, the Old Testament scriptures. I was listening to a couple of prophecy speakers via the internet this week. And uh, one is from Israel. And he was talking about his coming to faith, the Jewish man coming to faith in Jesus Christ. He said, I did not come to believe Jesus as the Messiah because of the New Testament. It was because of what was written in the Old Testament that caused me to believe. And in fact, he went on, I believe, to say that the first church in the book of Acts, there was no New Testament. When they came out of that upper room, the New Testament portion of the Bible had not yet been written. All they had was the Old Testament portion of scriptures. But it was sufficient to present Jesus Christ. These are they that testify of me. Of course, it gets a little plainer in the New Testament where the name of Jesus is used. But the Old Testament is sufficient. Psalm 36, 9 says, For with you there is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. God's word, the very fountain of life, eternal life. We find this light in the word of God. And some people study the Bible. Some people just do it out of tradition. They, you know, my mom and dad, my mom, usually the mom, maybe the dad, should be the dad, but often the mothers. This is what my mom did. And so this is what I do. She would read a verse in the morning and one at night, and this is what I do. They have no relationship. They just go through the motion of getting God's word in their heart, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But to just do it out of tradition doesn't bring about salvation. Others will study the Bible as part of an academic pursuit. It's something that they just, it's part of the coursing, something we have to do. And sometimes in part of an academic pursuit, you kind of go through the motions because it's part of the class load, but it has nothing to do with faith. There's others who pour over the Bible in hopes to refute it as God's holy word. That sometimes is a dangerous thing for 
those who have done that. Josh McDowell was one of those. He was determined, I'm going to prove the Word of God wrong. By the end of it, the Word of God proved him wrong, and he became a believer in Jesus Christ. But yet, if we only read out of habit or academia or to refute God's Word, then you'll miss the whole point of God's written Word, and that is Jesus. These are they that testify of me. In the Old Testament, it gives testimony of Jesus in Deuteronomy 18:15, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear in verse 18. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their brethren. I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. When they asked John the Baptist, are you the prophet? They were asking, are you the coming Messiah that Moses prophesied about? And John said no, but he bore witness of that prophet. He bore witness of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In Hebrew 10.7 it says, Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. And this comes from Psalm 40, verse 7, just quoting an Old Testament passage. In the volume of the book it's written of me to come to do the will of God. And the question is, how many witnesses does a person need before they will believe in Jesus? I'm going to give you a statistic on that question at the end of our message today. But first, let's get through the final point. Verses 41 through 47, receiving the honor of God. In verse 41, I'm going to read through 47 for context. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you and that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you put your trust. For if you believe Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Receiving the honor of God, we find true honor in verses 41 through 44. Jesus said in verse 41, I do not receive honor from men. But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. Once again, Jesus reveals that the elders of Israel, they did not have a true knowledge of God. God's love was not in their hearts. They had taken a religion of faith and they had turned it into a religion of works. And it was supposed to be a religion of faith unto life and they turned it into a religion of works unto death. In Mark 7, 9, Jesus said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, The people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. God's word, and they knew the word of God, but God's word wasn't truly in their hearts. And so he says in verses 43 and 44, I've come in my father's name, and you do not receive me. And if another comes in his own name, him you receive. How can you believe 
who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes only from God. They have this kind of sorority of fellowship. Hey, if you were part of the club, you were in. If you came from the outside, didn't have the right letters, they rejected you. As long as you didn't conflict with their man-made traditions, and Jesus conflicted with their man-made traditions. He did it all the time. As long as you didn't conflict with their man-made traditions while rejecting those who truly represented God, like John the Baptist and other true believers, well, you were part of that fellowship. But more than that, their man-made traditions caused them to reject God's only son. They were so blinded by God's word because they couldn't get God's word from the academic side, the intellectual side of it. That's all it was for them. It was a works to salvation. They never got God's word into their hearts. And they totally missed the Messiah's coming. 2 Corinthians 10, 17 and 18 says, But he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. They commended one another. Oh, you can trust him. He's a good guy. They commended one another. But Paul wrote, it's not those who are commended by men. It's whom God commends that receives glory from God. And so he says, there's one who accuses. Jesus said, don't think I'm going to accuse you before the Father. The Lord has given me the right to judge, but I'm going to use the very word of God to bring that judgment upon you. And I'm going to bring the words of your hero of faith, Moses, against you. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Although Israel had attempted to live in accordance to God's law, it was by their man-made traditions, they made it so complicated. They overcomplicated the truth and the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They no longer upheld the truth of God's word. In John 9, 28 and 29, they reviled a man who was given sight by Jesus. And they said to this man, you are his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. And we know that God spoke to Moses, but for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. See, they claim themselves. We're Moses' disciples. They claim Moses as their own. But once again, their traditions had caused them to stray away from the truth of faith. They were so blinded that they did not recognize him of whom Moses prophesied, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus judges, it'll be in accordance to the word of God. There'll be no surprises. And the Bible tells us in Romans 3, 21 and 22, but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, the Old Testament. They gave witness to eternal life coming through faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, to receive the honor of God, one must believe in Jesus as God's only son. Passing from death to life. 
You know, it's not about killing a Passover lamb today, taking some of its blood and painting them on the lintel, the, the headpiece of the door and the two doorposts. And anyways, that initial Passover, those who survived, the firstborn who survived on that night in Egypt, they lived to die another day. Sometimes he spares us from physical death to live, to only die another day. But I believe when he does that, he does it in the hope that there's opportunity to find life. Whosoever hears will live, he said. And faith in Jesus Christ, it's his death, burial, and resurrection is the only way that we can pass from death to life. There'll be no soul sleep, no indulgences, no purgatory. You can't get prayed out of hell. Jesus said there'll be those who will be resurrected unto life and those who are resurrected unto condemnation. And the time to repent is today. While we live, we have opportunity to come into saving faith of Jesus Christ. And there's one who bears witness, as we looked at in verses 31 through 40. And there were many witnesses. And I asked the question, how many witnesses does a person need? before they'll believe in Jesus. Now, statistically, you can look it up online. I'm sure they got different numbers on this, but they say for the average adult, they need to hear the gospel at least seven times before they'll come to faith in Jesus Christ, if they come in faith at all. At least seven people confronting them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what's that tell us? What's that tell people like us who sometimes are so fearful to share the gospel with others? that one out of seven times will probably fail, statistically. So that should tell us that the odds are not in our favor, but if we're one through six, at least we're part of the process. At least we gave testimony. And it could be that you'll be number seven. You're all worried and afraid, and I don't know how I'm going to share faith with this person. And you happen to be the seventh person that... They're going to receive Christ. It's not a guarantee. I know that. Statistics are what they are. But you could be the one that shares. It could be the first time. It could be the tenth time. It doesn't matter. There might be that you're part of that gathering in. Or maybe you're just the one planting seed or watering the seed that's been planted by another. But also receiving honor from God. The religious rulers of Israel, they were worried about receiving honor from God, verses 41 through 47, but they actually rejected God. They had God's word in their minds, but not in their hearts. Intellectually, they could quote it, but they didn't truly know it or know the God of the word, and therefore they were unable to believe in Jesus as God's only son. And if we want to receive true honor from God, it only comes through faith in his only son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's go ahead and stand. And Father, we thank you for your word and for oh, this chapter in John chapter 5. Lord, I pray that you would help us to just to get your word into our, not into our minds, although that's important. But Lord, more so in our hearts that we might truly know you, the God of the word, and that we might truly know 
You, Jesus, God's Son, whom our Father has sent that we might have salvation through faith in your name. We thank you, Lord, for this teaching today. We ask, Lord, that you would just give us courage in our faith. We ask, Lord, that, oh, Father, we would really consider the great price that you paid. In John 5, 24, talking about passing from death into life, that it's through your work upon the cross, which we will celebrate in just a couple of weeks, your death, your burial, and your resurrection, that you have given us life, everlasting life. And Lord, until we go into heaven's glory, you've also given us your Holy Spirit that we in this life might learn how to conduct ourselves, but also because you're coming to judge the living and the dead, that we can, as Paul said to Timothy, preach the word. As Peter wrote to the church in his epistle, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. Help us, Lord, to have courage to do that, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.